0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gionta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is
1: Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs ready. The baseball reference t-shirt is repping some stats you know what i'm saying it's not necessarily hall of fame it's not necessarily above average but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore
0: and welcome to above replacement radio we're talking baseball kind of whenever i'm your host christian over there on the other on the other side of the screen is daniel kern how you doing daniel
1: chris i'm doing very well today we are. Uh, it really doesn't feel like postseason baseball is two weeks away. I don't know if that's just a me thing, if it's maybe a you thing as well. But we are just two weeks away from postseason baseball being underway. And uh, it is super, actually less than two weeks at this point, right? But it is yeah. super exciting. And it's just especially exciting because there is so much we don't know at this point in the year. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun to see how this all plays out in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, there are literally like four teams in the American league where we don't know what their fate what their fate is at all. You know, one of, one of those four teams is going to miss the playoffs, which is crazy to think about. And then, yeah, in the national league, we have a lot of the same situations, except there's uh, not really any divisions at play over there. Um, all the divisions in the national league are pretty much sorted out, but that wild card, you know, we've talked about it for a while. is is absolutely crazy, but yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, It's crazy how much is still very much yet to be determined or yet to be close to be determined at this point in the year. And uh, yeah, it's making for an exciting regular season. That's for sure. Happy to be uh, watching every day. So yeah, we've been talking about these playoff races for a good while because of how intense they've been and how much things seem to have changed and then come back to kind of staying the same for a while. And, but we haven't really talked about much as to why, it's important for certain teams, and like what it means for each organization if they do indeed make the playoffs. For some teams, it's it's kind of a necessity to be in the playoffs right now because it's their window to succeed. And for some teams, uh, they're arriving early. They have a young emerging core, and if they miss the playoffs, it's not the biggest deal in the world because it, odds are they're probably going to be there in the mix next year and years after but that's not the case for every team. So we kind of want to break down each of the bubble teams, each of the teams that has a chance of not making the playoffs this year and, and teams that, that also have a chance of making the playoffs this year uh, and breaking down kind of what it means for them to make or miss the playoffs. So um, for, for notes, I started with the blue Jays. Um, What do you think about, you know, with with the Blue Jays making or missing the playoffs, what do you think about their situation in those, you know, in those hypotheticals?
1: Yeah. So as it currently stands, the Blue Jays uh, I believe are in a playoff spot. They have the number uh, two wild card spot in the American League, but they are not far ahead of you know whoever the the last team in the AL West and the third team in the AL West is going to be. Um, they're eighty five and sixty eight right now. I want to make sure I have this this right. Uh, entirely because they're in it right now but not by a long stretch they're yeah they're half a game above the Rangers and Mariners both uh so you know this can't happen today but you know a, a loss by Toronto and a win by both the Rangers and Mariners which can't happen because they're playing each other today would knock the Mariners out of the would knock the Blue Jays out of the playoffs so um as it stands according to fan graphs they have a chance to make the playoffs. Um, And this would really be a big step backwards for the organization if they miss the playoffs. Um, There would be a lot of things that we have to blame. You know, I think the number one would be Alec Manoa and his, uh, you know, his disappointing season uh, from start to finish, essentially. Um, It would be very reminiscent of 2021 when they missed the playoffs by one game, very likely. Um, and it would really be a waste of a team with a lot of talent and also just a, a group with a lot of talent in general, because now we're looking, you know, hypothetically, if they miss the playoffs this year, we're looking at, you know, a four year stretch from 2020 to 20, where they didn't win a single playoff game with all the talent that they had. And Matt Chapman is a free agent at the end of the year. Um, and I think that's the only major piece they're losing, but you know, the core is going to be aging, you know, they're all going to be a year older, you know, there's questions about. The legitimacy of Vlad Guerrero Jr. There's wonders about Bobichet's health, especially in the last month or so. Um, so it, I think it would be, I think the Blue Jays might have the most to lose uh, among all of the teams in the AL.
0: Uh, yes, I would I would definitely agree with that. Uh, because yeah, this is, you know, even talking about this team, uh, years ago when they were not competitive, we kind of figured like this was this was when they were going to su- succeed. This is when they would be at their best and we just haven't seen it yet. We, you know, both of us. Yeah. I think both of us had them as a uh, division winners heading into 2022. Both of us had them as division winners heading into this year because we figured, you know, last year they, they didn't make that next step, but this year they will. And they still haven't made that next step. Sure. There's, there's still a fairly good team on pace to win. I think 90 games at this point, but that's not, it's, it's clearly not, good enough it's clearly not where they need to be and uh and yeah so what i what i put for you know if they make the playoffs it's a sigh of relief because you don't have to face that potential failure and that look in the mirror that would have been necessary if they missed the playoffs but yeah if they miss the playoffs um there's there's a lot to look into um you know there there are things to blame you know the the lack of the lack of good quality pitching from Alec Manoa also just Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Has less than one win above replacement right now, according to fan graphs, like if he has a decent season and if we're using the wins above replacement model, literally if he has a decent season, they're probably, you know, very comfortably in the playoff spot instead of just hanging on to one. Um, And maybe even looking at the division a little bit, or maybe that wouldn't still be in question, but they would definitely be comfortably in a playoff spot. And I mean, if they miss the playoffs like that, AL East is still moving and trudging along whether or not they do anything this offseason, they still, you know, they have a they have a high projected payroll this coming offseason, but they might have to add more if they indeed miss the playoffs, because clearly this squad ain't doing enough. They don't really have. I don't think a crazy amount coming up through the system. so they would they would need to add more in the offseason, maybe go over the luxury tax. I don't know what the where the owner's stance on it is, but I mean, you look at all those teams in the AL East. I think every team is going to make improvements outside of maybe the raise because of their budget. Um, so the Blue Jays would have to kind of move in that direction as well.
1: Yeah, I mean there are so many things you can point to that have just not gone right for the Blue Jays this year. We've you know, we've mentioned Vlad, we've mentioned Alec Manoa, but like the Dalton Varsho trade doesn't look good right now. Uh, especially because Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. have exceeded expectations this year. Um, Eric Swanson's been fine, but, you know, Teoscar Hernandez has also had a really good last couple months down the stretch for Seattle. He's been one of the main reasons that Toronto could get knocked out of a playoff spot because, uh, you know, he was a part of Seattle's big run that they had in August um, towards the end there. And obviously he was traded from the Blue Jays last year. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, I think they're a team that if they make the playoffs, they have very good potential to be a good sleeper team uh, taking on either Tampa Bay or Baltimore or Minnesota in that first round, you know, one of those three or Houston, I suppose it could be as well. I mean, it's weird that <laughs> there's so many potential options of who they're going to face, but um, you know, I think they are a team that just has the potential to make a lot of noise. I think as a, I think the baseball world has been kind of waiting for it uh, for a while because you know, they had, you know, they had their moments to cheer about in Game 2 of the playoffs last year, but obviously they didn't win that game. They blew a 7-1 lead um, to the Mariners, but, you know, I still think we're really waiting to see the full potential of this Blue Jays team, and we're still going to be having that, even if they make a playoff run, we're still going to be having that conversation throughout the off season.
0: Yeah, and everyone reflects on playoff baseball in Toronto very positively. Everyone thinks back to 2015 and 16 of of those amazing moments and how amazing that environment was. Um, and, you know, obviously there was fallout after that, but even in the 2018-2019 area, people were talking about, you know, the, the you know, Bichette, Biggio, and Guerrero for multiple reasons you know there was the ironic thing that they were all um you know sons of major leaguers but also like Nate Pearson was in the mix and people were very excited about all the pieces coming up for the Blue Jays uh they have a very high payroll this year they added you know George Springer and Kevin Gosman uh Jose Barrios as well Chris Bassett this past offseason like they've done all the right things it's just the the things on the field and they haven't underperformed by that much but they've underperformed just enough
1: Yeah, it definitely doesn't help that I think the Rays and Orioles have both, like, far exceeded expectations this year. Um, You know, I think that's kind of caused the Blue Jays to uh, regress to what they've become. Um, It definitely doesn't help that, like I said, you know, there are two teams that have just blown everyone away. Uh, I think more than anyone could have really predicted. Um, But, you know, they still have, even with Alec Manoa's departure, um, performance wise, you know, Kevin Gosman's still a legitimate playoff ace. Barrios and Bassett will make up the two and three in that rotation. Yusei Kikuchi has been good enough to be a four starter. Um, like they, you know, and the bullpen, you know, has its moments where it's good. You know, I mean, they have guys, they have Eric Swanson, they have Jordan Romano, they have Tim Mesa. Um, and the offense, we know what it can be at its potential. We just really haven't seen it. We haven't seen Vlad, you know, truly click this year. We haven't. We, we've we seen Matt Chapman have a fantastic April, but he really hasn't been the same since then. Um, Bo Bichette, we, we need to see more out of, you know. I mean, he just got back from an injury, and he's kind of struggled since then, so it's understandable. George Springer got unlucky at times this year, but we still expect more out of him. Dalton Varsha, we haven't seen it really out of this year um so and and this comes when they in a year not to mention where they fix the dimensions of the rogers center to better accommodate for the blue jays offense uh and you know like vlad vlad jr didn't have a home run at home until like july this year like it just didn't work out the way that it was supposed to this year but they still have room to make up for it in the playoffs but if they don't that's gonna be a really tough look in the offseason
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah, it could be a big look in the mirror. And, and yeah, going back to the point of the division, like, you know, we saw the Yankees as the biggest, you know, threats to the Blue Jays in the division. So yeah, we didn't really expect the Rays and Orioles to be as good as they were. So yeah, not didn't help, didn't help the Blue Jays case in the AL East. But still, you know, with how much the Yankees underperformed also, that should also be a, a thing to get the Blue Jays up in the up in the ranks. But yeah, still just projected, you know, ninety, ninety-one wins this year, uh, which surprisingly enough might not be good enough for a uh, for a playoff spot, um, which is you know unfortunate luck of the draw. I mean, in a twelve-team playoff format, ninety wins should be enough, but um, who knows? But as as it stands now, they are in a playoff spot. It just is possible that they don't make it. Uh, anything more on the Blue Jays?
1: No, I think I got nothing. That was it. Um, I mean, I think in the American league, they're probably the team with the most to lose.
0: Uh, yeah, I would agree. Especially considering like they, they haven't had, you know, the world series in the last few years, like the Astros, and that's going to transition into the Astros, yeah. um, who, yeah, they're, they are the defending world series champs. Um, they were projected to do very well this year. Uh, most people had them winning the AL West, uh, you and me included. Um, what do you think about like whether they make or miss the playoffs? What are, you know, what are, what are the uh, takeaways from the Astros season?
1: I mean, just knowing, you know, history and understanding like how this all works, it makes all the sense in the world that the Astros are going to make the playoffs because, you know, we've seen them there every year for the last, you know, six years at this point, right. They haven't missed the ALCS since 2016 Um, and I think performance wise, some people might see this maybe as the end of the window with how they've kind of struggled this year. They're 36 and 43 against teams with a winning record, uh, which, you know, when you get to the playoffs, you're only playing teams with a winning record. In fact, you're only playing the good teams with a a winning record. You know, you're not playing 82 and 80 teams. Um, you're playing, you know, 86 to 90 win teams at the very least. And at the most you're playing 100 win teams. So you know, I think there's a lot more doubt of the Astros coming into this postseason than there will be in prior postseasons. But, you know, it, it is still the Astros, um, you know, if they make it, you know, I think it's also a sigh of relief because the Astros have been inevitable for the last six years. And right now it doesn't feel that way. I mean, they're only a half game up on both the Mariners and Rangers. And if they, you know, it, it, they can very easily fall out of it by the end of this weekend. Um but if they get there, right, they still have the core. They still have Altuve. They still have Bregman. They still have Jordan Alvarez. They still have Verlander, or they got Verlander back rather. They still have Framber Valdez. Like, there's, there's, you know, the guy, they still have Kyle Tucker. Like, all the guys that you know and love from all the playoff runs past, like, they're still there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they are, I mean, we obviously know how dangerous they are in the playoffs. They They won the World Series last year, and and made the world series the year before, despite being a, a two seed there. Um, yeah. So yeah, as far as, I, I think if they make the playoffs, that's, you know, meeting expectations still even being below expectations. Cause a lot of people had them as a 100 win team this year. I know I had them as the one seed in the American league playoffs, which uh, clearly is not going to happen. Um, I think them making the playoffs is a sign of them keeping this run alive. As you mentioned, they've made the last six ALCSs, which is crazy. Um, A miss for me would be almost somewhat fluky. I think narrative wise, it could be the end of the window. But looking at what this team has and and what they have going for them, that core of position players, they're all still doing very well. Um, They all are still relatively like not old. You know, Jose Altuve has been amazing since the injury, and he's like the oldest of that core of what you could consider that core. Um, Like Altuve is doing really well. Jordan Alvarez is doing very well. Kyle Tucker is emerging as one of the best uh, outfielders in baseball. Uh, And yeah, I mean, also Alex Bregman is, you know, continuing to be like now probably a top three third baseman in baseball right now.
1: Jordan Alvarez did uh, miss some time with an injury, as well as uh, like pain, underperforming as well.
0: Yeah, a little bit. The also the Jose Abreu signing has like this has played a major role in them underperforming. Like they did not expect him to have negative one wins above replacement and be a very below average bat, uh, which is you know unfortunate. Part of it, just the of them underperforming this year has been pitching. Their team ERA plus has gone from 132 last year to 106 this year, which is still above average. But when you go when you're 26 percent worse as a pitching staff that, you know, leads you to, you know, perform worse on the field and and uh, and just win less games overall. So, you know, they're starting pitching and bullpen has not been the same as it was last year. So that's partial partial to blame. But I still would see it as somewhat fluky because if they miss the playoffs, I still have them as a um, as a big contender for next year. And I wouldn't be crazy worried about it. It would just be more of a surprise.
1: I have a hot take. All right, go ahead. If the Astros miss the playoffs this year, Dusty Baker has gone.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot, you know, there are plenty of things that didn't go right this year. You know, they lost. You know, they lost Jose Altuve to injury during the World Baseball Classic. They lost Jordan Alvarez during the season. And if, you know, if either of those two things didn't happen, then this team is probably in a much safer spot because those are arguably the two best players on the team that have missed time this year. Uh, and the pitching staff has also underperformed. Christian Javier, we I talked about as a slightly alarming at one point this season. Fredbear Valdez has been fine. Verlander is showing his first signs of aging. Hunter Brown has struggled lately. Uh, you know, they've had. They give a bunch of starts to so like JP Fray, they probably didn't expect to start a lot this year. Brandon Bilak, they probably didn't expect a lot to start a lot this year. Uh Ronel Blanco uh, started a few games. Um But there are a lot of puzzling decisions that Dusty Baker has made this year. I think the main one is giving uh Martin Maldonado 385 plate appearances to put up a sixty-seven OPS plus when Yiner Diaz has a 133 OPS plus this year like you know I know that like Maldonado is you know he's a he's a pitcher's catcher you know he probably you know maybe he is a lower catcher ERA but I mean when we're talking about a 70 point difference in in OPS plus it's hard to keep throwing him out there for that many games
0: yeah yeah for sure it there is there is something there with that um yeah and even even with that i think also like i'm not sure where the astros feel like dusty baker fits in their long-term picture because obviously he's just in in general just nothing to blame on on him he's an older gentleman like you don't know how long in general he's going to be managing
1: uh baseball games Dusty Baker was an impromptu hire to begin with right like exactly he, you know he was he was never part of their plan other than when you know all of a sudden H.A. Hinge got fired because of the scandal and they had to quickly grab a guy that you know was was going to dissociate them from the scandal and Dusty Baker was that guy and you know I mean he has you know he's only brought them to the ALCS and nothing less but um you know he's like I said, like you said, not a part was never a part of their long term plan. And with the, the division, you know, the division has caught up to them this year. I think that's a pretty easy thing that we can agree on no matter how these next couple weeks go. Um, because the Ashes were a shoe in to win the division every single year. And for the, it feels like for the first time other than 2020 you know, there's there's a toss-up here where there's three teams that have a legitimate shot of winning the division. So I think there are adjustments the Astros need to make this offseason to make sure that they are still establishing themselves as, you know, the clear front runner in the ALS. And I think one of those moves is finding a new manager.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I mean, also in 2020, like like Dusty, Burke, Dusty Baker's first job was like, public relations management basically because he he was part of these like press conferences and stuff that to talk about a scandal he was not a part of um i mean yeah he's done a great job different
1: team actually
0: yeah exactly um so yeah he's he's done a great job but yeah i I wouldn't be surprised if something happened there yeah Um, i mean he's
1: already you know he's already won a world series he was like the winningest manager with that one you know up until last year um yeah but I think it's very possible that, you know, they, they transition to another, another helm.
0: Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, another if regime. It, if that, if that happens. Cause yeah, the, 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 um, Astros in general haven't been afraid to make like, you know, quick decisions. I mean, they let go of their GM after the year after winning a world series mm-hmm. um, or I guess chose not to resign him, but. You know, it seemed like a pretty easy move to get him to to keep him. But that, that just uh, didn't happen. Um. So, yeah, moving on from the Astros, we have the Mariners. Yes, the Mariners. Um, What do you think about them making or missing the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they if they miss the playoffs, like I said, with the Blue Jays, it would be a step back for the organization. You know, I think in twenty twenty two you know they were obviously going for a world series but they were i think happy to be there in the playoffs there's the element of you know they finally ended the 21 year drought um and you know they were not the best team in their division you know they found their way into the wild card um and they found their way into a playoff series win against toronto but you know that was that was you know when they got eliminated it was like all right well hey this is the start like next year is you know, where we build upon this season, we have a full year of Luis Castillo. Uh, we have a full year of George Kirby in that rotation, right? You know, some of the offense is going to develop more. And a lot of this season has kind of gone similar to how last season went, where they struggled out of the gate, kind of middled in mediocrity for a while, and then went on a huge run in the, in the middle or late summer um, and then found themselves fighting for a playoff spot in September. So, you know, who knows?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, if, if they make the playoffs for me, I think, I think that's meeting expectations. We both had them in the playoffs this year. Um, I think you had them as a four seed and I had them as a five seed or something like that. So we expected them to be comfortably in the playoffs and like the only, the only thing keeping them away from being a clear division winner was the fact that they were in the same division as the Astros. Um, you know, I think in either other division, we would have thought them as potential division winners. Um, And I think if they make the playoffs, this also shows just the value of Julio Rodriguez. Like they, they, he's been sort of carrying them and carrying their offense for the past month. Plus like he has been uh, extraordinarily good. uh, Like in the second half, it's it's been pretty unbelievable. Um, If they miss the playoffs, I'm not as freaked out about it as if the Blue Jays missed the playoffs because there's a lot of young controllable players that are good with the uh, good with the mariners where whereas the Blue Jays are more veteran stacked. um, the Mariners have a lot of, you know, cheap, young controllable talent. I think the oldest uh, pitcher in that rotation right now is Luis Castillo at the age of thirty, like that that rotation, which kind of makes their team is mostly constructed of guys like 26 and younger like Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, uh Brian Wu, uh uh was it Brian is it Bryce or Brian Miller I, I forget Bryce Miller. Bryce Miller. Um yeah, like they have a good core there. I think missing the playoffs would and this is still the case if they make if they make the playoffs, I think it may show a need for offensive reinforcements. Uh, we've talked about how their offense is sort of the weak point of that team. And I don't know what quality of bats are out there, but they probably will need to get uh, some sort of bat, whether it be in the trade market or um, through free agent, pref- you know, pr- preferably a free agent and not a situation where you have to sacrifice a good piece uh, to get that bat, which is what they did with Teoscar Te Hernandez. You know, they traded Eric Swanson for him. Uh, which is a good reliever out of their bullpen. You know, I I would want them to get a free agent bat this year. Uh, maybe someone like Cody Bellinger um, out in the outfield because, you know, they, they've always needed some good outfield bats. But but yeah, I think it would just show, you know, they need to get more if they miss this, if they miss these playoffs.
1: I mean, Teoscar Hernandez is literally going to be a free agent this year. That's true. Yeah. So they can re-sign <laughs> him. And right. you know, given the way that he's played down the stretch, I think the Mariners might be inclined to do so um because if they make the playoffs you know the run that he went on while they were hot is going to be a large reason why um who else do they have hitting free agency this year do they have anyone else yeah nothing from the starting pitching side i don't think no definitely not yeah you know i can't imagine logan gilbert is hitting free agency um nothing else really nothing that's of meaningful value um if they miss the playoffs, I think they'll, they will have missed Robbie Ray, who obviously got Tommy John surgery this year. You know, that was the guy that they paid to be their ace. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe he's not the best pitcher in this rotation right now, even if he was in it. But he certainly makes them a better team. And, you know, they're at a point right now where they just need to be a little bit better. Right. I mean, they're, you know, half a game in or out of a playoff spot, whether, no matter how you look at it, you know, you could look at this glass half empty glass half full with this team kind of right now. Um, and if they had Robbie Ray, you know, making a couple starts instead of, you know, maybe Marco Gonzalez down the stretch who I think they DFA'd um, you know, maybe this is a lot different.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, whether or not he was in Cy Young form in 2022, he was still, you know, era well under four at 371 and also ate up a bunch of innings as well okay no he's
1: he's on the 60 day IL. He did not get dfa'd mark gonzalez
0: um yeah with robbie ray like he was an innings eater and he had a 371 era uh in 2022 and and obviously showed potential in 2021 to do even better so yeah who knows who how that would have gone um anything more on the mariners
1: um, I feel like there is more. I don't know. Uh, I think. I mean, yeah. What they have to gain is kind of meeting their expectation. If they lose, it's def- If they don't make it, it's definitely a missed opportunity that might be looked back on in the grand scheme of things. Whenever this window of theirs closes, um, mm-hmm. but it's also not the end of the world because you know if the Blue Jays miss the playoffs, we're we're counting how many years they have left. The Mariners have a lot, a much higher number, I think, um. But you know this is definitely not you know this is an opportunity. This might be the best shot they ever get at the division, uh. Because you know, I know the Astros. You know they look mortal this year, but you know they, there's always, you know there's always the Astros, right? The Rangers, uh, you know have room for improvement, uh, and you know they'll probably address whatever they need to address in the off season. So this might be the best shot that the Mariners have.
0: Right, uh, with the. With the Mariners, like Mariners talking Mariners versus Blue Jays, both if they, you know, either one is, one is going to miss the playoffs. One is going, or one may miss the playoffs. One will definitely make the playoffs, um, you know, to compare them missing the playoffs one, you know, both, both will be missing the playoffs in their window, but the Mariners have more years left in their window than the Blue Jays do. Um, I think Uh, Mariners
1: are only playing meaningful games from here on out, by the way, like, I know that every game is meaningful, but they're only playing games against teams that they absolutely need to beat. Um, You know, they played Oakland this week and I called that series a must sweep and they did it. They went in and swept Oakland to their credit, you know, no matter what the competition is, sweeping a team is never easy. Uh, But, you know, now you have to go, at the minimum six and four, I'd say, in your last ten games, because you're facing only the Rangers and Astros, uh, anything more than that is absolutely a bonus. But I think six and four probably gets you into the playoffs, considering that when you win, the other teams are losing
0: right. and and also, like, yeah, part of part of the competition are teams that yeah like part of the teams in their way are teams that they are facing so Mm -hmm. naturally if they win against those teams those teams playoff odds are going to go down because they're losing ground um specifically rangers and astros um yeah and speaking of the rangers that's that's the last american league team we have to talk about in the meaning of their playoff uh make or miss you know potential and yeah for the rangers you know i'll i'll start off by saying if they make, if they make the playoffs, um, it shows great vindication for you know what they've been doing organizationally for the past couple of years. It shows vindication for that high payroll. I mean, they're spending like two hundred fifty million dollars on that team, which props to them. Uh, not going to knock them for that. Uh, also shows vindication for their buy now trade deadline moves. You know, getting Max Scherzer, also getting Jordan Montgomery specifically montgomery because you know he's a free agent after this year you know i think it's a low likelihood that they re sign him at the end of the year um and also it shows the emergence of a you know a young core that is also developing along with their great veterans with uh josh young leota taveras and ezekiel duran who i learned today they got from the joey gallo trade which is so props yes, to did. them for that yes um, they did yeah um but yeah what what else do you what other thoughts do you have on the uh, on the Rangers?
1: Um yeah, I mean this is a team that you know I think a lot of people would agree was ahead of schedule. Um I think they have, uh, I think they have the least amount to lose out of the four AL teams. Um you know Corey Seager has been an, an MVP this year. Obviously he's not going to win it because Shohei exists, but he's probably going to be the MVP runner up. Even with the time he missed due to injury this year, he's been, like, I don't think people realize how crazy he's been this year. Um, He's, like, just going to, he's barely going to hit the plate appearance qualifier because he's seven away right now. But Corey Seager's hitting 331 this year. Um, He's a 1029 OPS, a 637 slugging. Like, that's crazy. Um, He has 42 doubles in only 441 at-bats, which leads the American League, by the way yeah and also 31 home runs
0: yeah and the guy's the guy's 29 this year Mm -hmm. right so like you can rely on this for you could you could rely on his window of success for a few years at least yeah yeah for for me like them missing the playoffs like i think whether they make or miss, you can't say that they didn't go for it organizationally. You can't say, Oh, it's because they were too hesitant at the deadline. Like that's not going to be a narrative. That's going to be said about the Rangers. Um, and I don't even like if they miss the playoffs, I can't fault anything they've really done organizationally. Like I, I can't even say that buying was the wrong, that buying so hard was the wrong thing to do. Cause yeah, they're, they're really close. They made every move they sh- you know, possibly could have made. Um, and like, yeah, letting go of like Luis on Halicuna for Max Scherzer, like that's, I, I think that's still a good move, even with the injury and everything, like he's, he's back next year too. So like, that's, I think that will end up a good move for the Rangers as well as the Mets. I think it'll be a good move for both teams, but, um, but yeah, like I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a it's a thing where, yeah, you can't say they didn't go for it. And also with the Rangers, if they miss, they still have they still have most of their significant pieces for next year. Like the only real significant pieces that they'll be missing that that are going into free agency next year are Jordan Montgomery. Um, even like if you want to call Chapman a role, Chapman of significant piece, uh, there's him. Um, Martin Perez is going into free agency, but he hasn't really been that significant this year. But uh, but yeah, I mean they have Scherzer coming back. Maybe DeGrom is gonna be there at the end of the year, but you can't rely on that. But also like all those young pieces with Josh Young, Duran, Tavares, those signings with not Simmons. to mention,
1: yeah. Not to mention Evan Carter and Wyatt Langford that are gonna be playing bigger roles next year.
0: Yes, those two as well. Um, you also have Marcus Simeon and Corey Seeger, arguably the most the two most valuable players on the team you know, they're going to be still in their early thirties next year and probably producing next year. Uh, Max Scherzer will be back. Um, Nathan Ivaldi will be back as well as yeah. Adolis Garcia uh, is going to be back. So, so yeah, I mean, they have most of what they will have next year if they do indeed miss the playoffs, but who knows that may not happen. Um, it's I think all, it seems like all four teams have like the same exact odds uh, it's pretty yeah. crazy.
1: It feels, but, it feels um, that way. It's weird. Yeah. It's funny because only one of them is going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. And it's, you know, so it feels like there's like a 75% chance for each team. You know, if you average it out um, right. and yeah, I mean, it's, you kind of just got to pick one.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. It is weird. Um, It'll be, it'll be fun to watch though, from a fan perspective. Um, Yeah. Anything more on the Rangers before we get into the NL teams?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Rangers are the team, like I said, with the least amount to lose. You know, I think if they I think no matter what happens, they're going to, you know, reassess this offseason and make more moves that are going to make them a better team, you know, going into 2024. Um, And I think with this year, like they've set themselves up to be a potential division favorite heading into 2024. Which is crazy because, you know, this team lost they lost 94 games last year um like they 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 came from kind of nothing this year to become a division contender and a playoff contender on september 22nd and beyond
0: yeah for sure for sure and yeah i can't even i can't even like um say it if they missed i can't even say it's necessarily like a choke job or anything like they've been below unless uh, it's
1: like unless like they get up by like three games in the last weekend and then like get swept by the mariners or something
0: right um i know i i checked uh before the show they are 44 and 48 since june 6th but i mean like that's where i expected them to be <laughs> for the whole season like never Which
1: maybe maybe that does cause some concern because they played two-thirds of the season being below 500 but you know i still think there's a lot this team has to look forward to
0: yeah. And there's there's still overall in the season, 16 games above 500. And and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to be optimistic about. But yeah, I mean, people could point to like, yeah, since June 6th or even since the start of June, like they've been sort of a middling team. But that's where I expected them to be. I expected this to be a bridge year for the Rangers. And and now yeah. they're right now they're playoff contenders. So by the way, I, can't even I, say, I give mentioned too much this criticism name. on that.
1: I mentioned his name very briefly earlier. Have you seen Wyatt Langford's stats in the minors this year?
0: Ah, uh, yes, yes. Okay. I, I think, I think like Foolish Baseball t- may have tweeted them out without context or like he's, he's or something. He's already
1: he got drafted this year, third overall, and he's in Triple A. Which, like, again, he's twenty-one years old in Triple A. Uh, coming out of a three-year college uh, at Florida and he uh, is five and a half years younger than the average AAA player. And he only has only played three games there, yes, but he has an 1171 OPS. And overall in the minors, between four different levels, uh, rookie ball, high A, double A, and triple A, um, he has an 1171 OPS as well.
0: Yeah, I don't want to call my shot too early, but this 2023 MLB draft class has the potential to be like one of the best ever.
1: I think a lot of... Then this is something I'll probably get into at other points, but, like, I think a lot of teams are kind of starting to realize that if you draft, like, a really good college bat, like, you can probably just, like, let them zip through the minors if they're good enough. Because, like, there are a lot of players that were drafted this year, specifically out of college in the first round that are going to be in the majors next year. Like Paul Skeen's going to be in the majors next year. Dylan Cruz is going to be in the majors next year. Wyatt Langford, Kyle Teal, Jacob Wilson could be like a September call-up next year. Like there are so many guys and there are definitely more than I didn't name, but like there are already guys that are in double-A for countless organizations. And next year, there's a very college-heavy draft class. So I think a lot of teams are going to take advantage of that and like aim for guys that are going to be on their 2025 roster.
0: Right. Yeah, Shanwell will definitely be on the Angels next year. He's yes, already up she didn't know there. Yeah, and Shanwell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it just feels like this year specifically, it, there is a long list of guys that are just killing the minors this year, and I feel like that just doesn't happen every year. No. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it'll be fun. But yeah, that's a little little tangent there. But the Rangers have a lot to look nah, forward to. With, I'm with going be... to
1: I'm going to be a huge nerd for next year's draft class.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> I've yeah. seen like 10 of them play.
0: The way I'm very mildly into college basketball now because of who, Paul? Yeah. Daniel will be a college baseball and an MLB draft fiend because yeah. of uh, all the players he came in contact with.
1: I used to make fun of, like, the MLB exclusive fans that, like, got into college baseball in, like, that one weekend in February and then, like, just kind of forgot about it. Like, as soon as spring training started, it's like, no, I'm actually going to, no, I'm going to be that guy now. Right. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be up at, like, on February, like, 26th, I'm going to be up at, like, 11 o'clock watching Oregon State. Right. (laughs) Versus Stanford. Actually yep. it definitely won't be it'll be Oregon State versus a non-conference opponent but or Stanford versus a non-conference opponent but you get the idea.
0: Yeah, it'll be yeah, Oregon State versus like Cal, Berkeley, uh <laughs> Los Angeles, some Yeah, versus motivation.
1: like UC Irvine.
0: Right. Exactly. Actually um, for
1: for personal reasons if if UC Irvine and, or, and Oregon State play each other like I'm all locked in on those matchups.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Travis Pazana. Travis um, Pizana
1: and Joe Yama.
0: Yep, yep. Um. So yeah, that's that's those are the American League teams that we are talking about, and you know the 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 narrative of them making the playoffs and the narrative of them missing the playoffs. Uh, as far as the National League goes, it is a little bit more wide open. I think most most of the teams we're talking about here don't have a crazy amount to lose here. Uh, As far as, you know, what, how their organization is going to be seen, because I mean, the teams that had the most to lose are kind of almost, you know, already out of the playoff race, most, most notably with the Mets, but also the Padres, you know, unless they go, unless they continue the seven game win streak into a 17 game win streak, um, they will most likely be out of the playoff race as well. And we all know the implications of them missing the playoffs. We've talked about it a bunch. But um, as far as the we'll start with the Diamondbacks who have the most comfortable position out of anyone not named the Brewers, Dodgers, Phillies or Braves. Um, But with the Diamondbacks, they are, I think, two and a half up on the t- first team out of the playoffs and two up on the three seed um, or or no, I think two or yeah, two up on both. But. Um, what do you, what's what are the narratives we will be talking about with the Diamondbacks? You know whether they make or miss the playoffs.
1: So they're actually in like pretty much the safest spot out of any of the uh, out of any of the wild card teams. They swept their series against the Giants week, which was huge. They're two games ahead of the Cubs and the Marlins uh, for that uh, second wild card, and only three games behind the Phillies for the first wild card. So like, who knows? They could theoretically sneak into that four seed uh even at this point because uh you know they've won five in a row but this diamondbacks team has been very impressive like i think they looked they looked dead to rights in like july and early august when they were uh playing like some of the worst baseball in the league and they've come back from that to clinch uh you know a non-losing record they're 81 and 72 right now and you know they've overcome so much to get to a point where they are the safest team in this wild card race right now uh which i think looks really impressive for them come playoff time you know i know that playoff experience matters and the diamondbacks have kind of none of it um but i think it's a team that is worth investing in not just in the future but this year
0: yeah for sure um i think if they make the playoffs you know this is a sign of an early arrival. Um, it's a sign that they have something with the young core considering, you know, Corbin Carroll obviously is the main, you know, head of that, along with uh, Gabriel Moreno, uh, also Jordan Lawler, who just came up and, you know, Brennan Fodd, Ryan Nelson, guys that are probably going to be good in the future. Um, I think it's also if they make the t- whether or not they make, make the playoffs or not, Um, I think it's a signal, the success, the overall success of the team is a signal to invest more in the team, like financially. Uh, I think they have, you know, a bottom 10 payroll right now. Um, And this looks to be a winning team for, you know, the next few years, maybe even, but maybe even beyond that. So, you know, the, the Diamondbacks have done it before by, you know, signing got signing a guy like uh, Zach Granke for over $200 million. Like maybe they need to go out into the free agent market and, and get some more reinforcements to uh, invest further in the team and maybe even compete for a division uh, at some point in the near future. So, so yeah, I think either way it's a sign that like, yeah, this is, this is a team worth investing in. Um, And yeah. And if they, if they miss the playoffs, it's sort of a, a bit of a blown opportunity. They have their playoff odds at the moment are 86% right now. Um, But other than that, there's not, there's not much to go into the idea of them missing the playoffs because I mean, neither of us had them in the playoffs this year. So, you know, it wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world. It would just be like, you know, kind of a shame because they are sort of an exciting team and just from a fan perspective, just, it wouldn't be the best, but, but yeah, other than that, it's not, not too much to look into if they miss the playoffs.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, they've kind of had a youth movement throughout the year, right? Where Corbin Carroll has been the face of that team and arguably the best player on the team. You know, Zach Gallen, who is a little bit more established, but only 27 is, you know, the ace of that staff, a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Um, I know that he's kind of struggled lately, but, you know, he still has a 338 fifth. You know, you like that going into the playoffs. Um, Gabriel Moreno has been really good for them as a defensive catcher and also has a 107 OPS plus. Um, which is exciting. Catel Marte has kind of resurged this year. He's still under thirty. Like the only consistent bat that they really have that's in their thirties is Christian Walker, who has struggled recently, but you know has been an excellent bat throughout the season and is going to be a guy that is kind of the you know the clubhouse, I guess, like tenured leader on that on that team, right? I mean, he was there in twenty nineteen. That's, that's as early as I remember. Uh, twenty yeah twenty seventeen actually. So he was on the team, and he probably wasn't on the roster, but he was on the team that made it to the playoffs in 17.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um, Also, I think what the Diamondbacks might want to look into uh, in the offseason is extending Zach Gallen because he has two years left to control right now. Um, And yeah, I mean, young control, you know, a young pitcher that's already talented and already figured out major league hitting to an extent, uh, is extremely valuable so I think the Diamondbacks should hop in on that Um, because you know if he gets out to the free agent market it would be hard to match the other teams albeit you know it would be after 2025 but still like that's something that should be on the Diamondbacks checklist uh, and they've already done that with some of their pieces they've done that with Cattell Marte and Corbin Carroll which is a good sign you know always good to do that so kind of continue that trend with, with Zach Gallon. At the end of the season, Um, either way, whether they make or miss the playoffs, I think some of these narratives can apply to whether they make or miss the playoffs. But, um, yeah, overall, it's been a pretty successful season for Arizona. Um, So, yeah, anything more on the Diamondbacks?
1: Um, It's pretty remarkable, I think, just that this team has rebounded so well from how bad they were. (laughs) Um, at that one point of the season, they do have a negative run differential, um, but I don't really care about that right now. Um, yeah, no, I think it's pretty remarkable what they've done.
0: Right, 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 right. Um, so now the, so now uh, talking about the Cubs, who are seventy nine and seventy four right now. Um, they've had a real interesting sort of roller coaster season. They've gone from. A middling team to a sort of bad team to a really good team that had 92% playoff odds at one point this year to now a team that's, you know, just hanging on and, you know, they've lost 10 of the last 13, but they still have a spot in the playoff race, I believe, um, or are tied for a spot in the playoff race. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, they, they've kind of gone full circle in some form or fashion. Uh, what do you think about the narratives of, you know them making or missing the playoffs
1: so real quick for the nl teams do we have the cubs marlins reds and giants
0: uh just cubs marlins and reds for me
1: oh so we're cutting the giants out of this
0: you know if <laughs> if they no, can I, if listen
1: they... i'm not saying we need to have them they're literally under 500 but just just for clarity so i can have this take
0: right okay
1: okay the next three teams we're going to talk about i think it it goes back to the same narrative of you know they're outperforming their expectations this year, and a playoff, you know, and a playoff appearance would be considered a win for this season. I think the Cubs have the most to lose between the them, the Marlins, and the Reds. Yeah, um, this is you know a team that has lost seven of the last ten. Uh, I think this is a team that is the best team of the Diamondbacks, Cubs, Marlins, Reds, Giants. Uh, you know that conglomerate of. Uh, potential wild card teams, but you know, I think, obviously, going into the season, they were they were kind of expected to maybe hover 500 at most. You know, it was expected that the Cardinals and Brewers would be running the division. The Cardinals did not hold up their end of that bargain. Obviously, enter uh, the Cubs, who are 79 and 74, who have had you know Cody Bellinger breaking out this year, who have had Justin Steele breaking out this year. Um, Kyle Hendricks has kind of resurged to become uh, you know, a fraction of the picture that he was in around twenty sixteen or so. And, you know, that era. Um, you know, like this has been, you know, Seiya Suzuki has done extremely well lately. Um, I think this is a team that has a very good opportunity to make a run this year.
0: Um, yeah, they they've they've been surprising, like seeing some of the veterans that have emerged and you know kind of rewritten their you know rewritten their careers a little bit in a in a sense has been you know pretty fascinating I think if the Cubs make the playoffs uh, it shows some vindications for some of the signings they've had in the past couple off seasons I think people sort of some people like me were thinking like it's interesting that the Cubs are like going after free agents at this point considering like they're not really in a in a competitive window right now like you know, they're they're signing some of these guys just to not make the playoffs, but that could be very much different if they do make the playoffs. You know, these signings like Dansby Swanson, Marcus Stroman, Seiya Suzuki and Cody Bellinger. Those are the reasons that they are in this race and and they are potentially making the playoffs, like especially like Bellinger, like a, that was a low risk move. Um, and, you know, it was what, 17 million dollars or something like that. And, yeah. you know, he's been extremely valuable to he that non tendered. Yeah, he was non-tendered, and he was on a one-year deal. Uh, and yeah, he's been extremely valuable. Say Suzuki has, you know, turned the page on what people thought of him, and and has been excellent since the first week of uh, of August. Uh, Marcus Stroman has been pretty good throughout the contract, and Danby Swanson has been uh, very valuable th- throughout the year. Continued to be one of the best gloves at the shortstop position, as well as a valuable bat. Um, so I think a make you know making the playoffs for them is a credit to, you know, sort of ownership for not, you know, losing for for not just using this non-competitive window as an excuse not to spend, and also general management for you know believing in the team and and showing a you know just just showing a general sense of belief and and uh, you know adding to the team when maybe a lot of people were thinking. They were in a non-competitive window, like myself. Uh, I think a miss would be it would show a bit of a se- September collapse. They had 92% playoff odds on September
1: 6th. Um, yep, I was. I literally have the graph pulled up.
0: Yep. So yeah, on September 6th they had 92% playoff odds. I think it would be kind of a a, a bit of a choke job if they don't make the playoffs here. Yeah, but also, I mean
1: it's their playoff odds are already down to 33% right now. Um right. if if you're wondering why it's because since September 6th they've gone 3 and 10 for the worst yep. for tied for the worst record in Major League Baseball, the worst record in the National League. Um and luckily for them in that time only the Diamondbacks have really like broken out. Like if you look at all the other teams, the Marlins are 7 and 7, the Reds are 6 and 6, the Giants are 6 and 7. Like they're lucky to still be in a playoff spot at this point.
0: Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, So, yeah, as far as the Cubs go, I mean, it would be a choke job for this year, but I think they have some things to look forward to in the future. I just looked up like farm system rankings. Fangraphs has the Cubs as the best farm system in baseball. MLB.com has them fourth best. So they have a good farm system coming up. They have most of the pieces that uh, propelled them to this spot, you know, coming back next year. Uh, other than like Bellinger and maybe Stroman, because I think he's on a player option this year, but Stroman might also come back. Um, but also, they could resign Bellinger and and you know make him a mainstay in the Cubs organization. So I don't think it would be the biggest deal if they if they miss the playoffs, but it would look bad considering how much of a shoe in they were sort of supposed to as be. a playoff team um, on September sixth.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's weird. They have a lot to gain and a lot to lose. Um, but also at the same time, a little to gain and little to lose. Um, because you know, if they sneak into the playoffs, you know, they, I think they have a very good shot of making a run, but it's not a great shot. Um, but also, you know, if they miss the playoffs, you know, I, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it from a, this year entirely perspective, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it gives them a lot of pressure to re-sign Cody Bellinger. Um, Who's you know probably the top free agent bat that's going to be out there, not named Shohei Otani. Right. You know.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's depending on what on what scale you measure it by, they're out. They're either outperforming or underperforming expectations. Like yeah. I think if you look at it before the season, they're outperforming our expectations. Like we probably pegged them as both as, as a below 500 team. And as long as they win two more games for the rest of the year, that won't be the case. Um, and then, you know, if we, I think they were 10 games below 500 or 11 games below 500 at some point this year, we would not be thinking that they were going to be in this playoff race at all. But then again, like on September 6th, they are 12 games above 500 and 92% playoff odds. So that would be underperforming our expectations from that point forward. And, you know, being you know kind of you know letting letting people down and and not and not making the playoffs when they should have by that point but like looking at it on a longer scale the fact that they got to that point is is you know pretty remarkable in general so it depends it really just depends how you look at it and what scale you you base it off of
1: you know uh in like we sports golf when you're like on a par three and like you hit a shot from the tee box that like almost goes in the hole, but it doesn't. But like the crowd does like the, the, Oh, like that kind of thing. Yeah. That's the Cubs season. If they miss the playoffs.
0: I can, I can get down with that. I can get like, you know, you, down I, with that you know
1: you can look at it as like, Oh man, like they, they almost had it. Like it that was a, that was a crazy shot that they, that they had, but also like they're setting themselves up nicely for the future, you know, like, yeah, you do, you do miss that shot, but you got an easy, you got an easy birdie right there.
0: I yeah, I like that take. I think that's yeah. that's the best We Sports Golf analogy that we've ever had on 272 episodes of this show, without a
1: doubt. I mean, it's it's probably a I don't know what second.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't know if don't there is a second. I don't I don't think there's anything that that beats that. Yeah. Um, so
1: shout out to our our old college roommate David Kilburn, by the way.
0: Yeah, David. Uh David Kilburn, <laughs> golf golf champion. I think he was the last one to do it at in the townhouse. Yeah. Um the Marlins. Uh the Marlins are an interesting, interesting organization. Uh I'll start with the Marlins by saying, like, if they make the playoffs, I think we would both agree. This is sort of a mark of accomplishment for Kim Ng, you know, obviously f- uh famous for being the first female general manager in, uh, in baseball. And, you know, just even you take away that part, it's still a, it's, this is a market of an accomplishment considering, you know, this team uh, won 69 games last year. And part of, part of why they're in the position they're in is, is some of the off season moves that they've made, uh, whether it be uh, this past off season at this trade deadline, uh, at a, at the 2021 trade deadline, or, even at the, uh, even I think in the 2021 to 22 off season, uh, you look at some of the pieces that are getting them there, uh, most notably Luis, Luis rise and both Daniel and I would acknowledge that that's been a pretty even trade up to this point, but we would both also agree that the Marlins needed offense much more than they needed started pitching. So overall, it's been a pretty good trade for the Marlins, uh, along with that. Jorge Soler has been a big part of why they're in the position they're in. That was an offseason signing heading into the 2022 season. Uh, Jesus Lizardo has been a fantastic uh, contributor to the Marlins, maybe their best starting pitcher this year. And uh, he was a trade. He was part of a trade uh, where Kim Ng was the, you know, was the dealer in that and traded off Starling Marte for him. Uh, and then also you have Jake Berger and Josh Bell were both acquired at this at this past trade deadline, both have been really positive contributors for them. And even someone who, uh, isn't an above average bat this year, but still has been just an overall, um, above replacement contributor, uh, with Brian De La Cruz, who was, uh, who was acquired for Yimmy Garcia back in, back in 2021. So I think just, it would be a mark of an accomplishment for the front office there in Miami if they were to make the playoffs this year.
1: If the Marlins make the playoffs, I think it's pretty safe to say that between August 1st and October 1st, the Marlins were the winners of the trade deadline. True. Right? I mean, like, because, you know, obviously the, you for the trade deadline, you, you, you try to evaluate trains for more than just what happened for the rest of the regular season because you know, maybe Jack Flaherty goes out and dominates in the postseason for the Orioles and wins them a World Series. Maybe Justin Verlander returns the Cy Young form in the playoffs. Like there's obviously many different things that can happen in the postseason. But I think from trade deadline through the end of the regular season, if the Marlins make the playoffs, they had the best trade deadline in the league.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's not even to say that these were complete by now decisions. I mean, Josh Bell mm-hmm. is, uh, I think, supposed to so supposed to be under contract next year. Jake Berger is under control for like four more years after this, or even yeah, four, like that's five more like, years after this.
1: Trade. Yeah,
0: like yeah. I mean, the, it looks really good for for the Marlins right now. And like yeah, if not for those, if not for those trades, they're probably not as close to a position as that. Especially considering they were lacking offensively. They've always sort of been lacking offensively. They got two bats, and they have been big upgrades in that lineup and taking away some of those weak spots because they, they had plenty of them. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, and if they miss the playoffs, uh, if they miss the playoffs, I think it's just more, and this could go either direction. If they make or miss the playoffs, it's sort of a sign to invest more in the team. Uh, they do have the ninth lowest payroll in baseball. They're, they're barely cracking a hundred million dollars this year. Um, and at one point in Marlins history, believe it or not, that was not the case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're maybe potentially entering a competitive window in a competitive division. So maybe they need to crack open the the checkbooks a little more, um, whether or not they m- make or miss the playoffs. Uh, but this upcoming offseason, maybe get a, a a decent free agent out there that could help the team, particularly another bat. Something, something, somewhere that's going to help their offense because uh, that's where they need it. But, but yeah, anything more with the Marlins?
1: I don't remember if I covered this exact topic on the Marlins. It might have been another team. I know I did something like this similarly recently. But uh, between Nick Fortes, Joey Wendell, Gene Segura, and Jacob Stallings, the Marlins have uh, given about twelve hundred plate appearances at, to players with a weighted runs with an OPS plus below sixty.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, that has been mentioned in some form or fashion, which is crazy. Yeah.
1: Like that's again below sixty. Yeah. That's so, twelve hundred plate appearances. That's you know, more than that's almost ten percent. That's more than ten percent, I think, of the total number of plate appearances. If I'm getting an exact number, uh that's twenty one percent of the team's plate appearances going to below sixty weighted it's created plus or basically the same
0: the like below like the below replacement threshold or replacement threshold is around like 75 to 80 yeah and they are much below that below replacement threshold um which is pretty crazy so yeah i mean investing more in that lineup financially would would uh propel them to uh much more success especially in such a competitive division um all right, so now that leads us into Cincinnati, um, who I think out of all these teams came into the twenty twenty three season with the least ex you know least amount of expectations. Um, I think if they make the playoffs, that should be an automatic manager of the year for David Bell. Can like I go he's... back to the
1: Marlins real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry about that, but Skip Schumacher. I feel like we should also give some love to, I mean, he's, yeah. he inherited kind of the same roster that Don Mattingly had last year. Um, Plus, you know, he's getting less contributions from Sandy Alcantara this year, generally speaking, you know, he's had to go through a lot of different guys and different scenarios, but like he's, he's made it work all season. So like, that's, you know, I think, you know, you just mentioned if the Reds make the playoffs, it's an automatic, manager of the year for david bell i think if the marlins met the playoffs it might be an automatic manager of the year for skip schumacher a guy within the first year of his job uh you know finding a way to win games for his team
0: yeah i would i would agree with both of those as long as they don't make the playoff as long as one of them doesn't make the playoffs yes yeah um otherwise if both make the playoffs it's it's really it's like a spider-man meme almost like whoa what's going on here yeah well uh, i
1: mean there's it's pretty unlikely that both of them make the playoffs at this point,
0: yes, I, I would agree Not impossible,
1: that. but not likely,
0: not likely. yeah, um, yeah, with the Reds, you know, they're an extremely exciting team just because it's like you don't know who's going to make that contribution that night. You don't know why you you don't know why they're going to win that night, but you know they may they may just find a way to do it um. And yeah, I think, yeah, if they make the play, if they make the playoffs should be an automatic manager of the year for David Bell, considering the fact that they were project, they were probably like projected to be like a 100 loss team or at least a 95 loss team this year. Uh, They didn't really add much. They have only been losing pieces since like the end of 2021. Uh, Yet, you know, if they make the playoffs, that's that that is an amazing accomplishment for the Reds. Uh, it's partially a product of a great 2022 trade deadline, uh, and shout out to you—you you, you kind of introduced me to the to how absurd the Reds' yep. 2022 trade deadline was. But getting you know Spencer Steer and Christian and Ar- Carnasio and Strand, who are both making contributions this year, uh, you know, for a, in a Tyler Male trade, like that looks incredibly good for the front office. Also, you know, Noelve Marte is is making contributions this year for the Reds. Uh, he was acquired in the Luis Castillo trade. So, yeah, I mean, I think it would look good for the front office, look good for management uh, and look good for that really young core, which has many, many pieces. It seems like almost every position is acquired with some guy who's like 24 or younger and looks like they're going to be a stud. So it would be a very early arrival. And yeah, if they miss the playoffs, I don't think it really is. It means anything like for it, it would be a bummer for sure for Reds fans, but I think it wouldn't be really a disappointment. I think overall they have far exceeded expectations. Even if they lose every single game for the rest of the year, they've still far exceeded expectations for the 2023 season.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that.
0: Um, but yeah, uh, anything more? On I, think, the
1: Reds? I think the one thing that you can really look back on and this is not like a management thing. It's not a general management thing, but like, I think the really, if they missed the playoffs, the one thing you can really go back and wonder is like, what if the starting pitching stayed healthy? Because, you know, we talked about the big three, you know, in terms of the young pitchers, the Reds had this year with green Lodolo and Ashcraft, all three of them have seen time on the IL this year. Lodolo has seen like three starts all year. Uh, Ashcraft is out for the year. Green, looks like he's recovering from his injury nicely. He had like 14 strikeouts the other day, but you know, he did still miss some time. You know, they had to give, you know, how many starts did they give to, you know, guys that like just you don't see pitching a lot for competing teams like Luke Weaver off the top of my head, you know, had a, had a 6.87 with the Reds and he started 21 games for them. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, and there's probably several others I can point to, uh, I'm going through their roster right now, but like uh Ben Lively has a 5.51 ERA. He started 12 games for the Reds. Like there, you know, there's probably a lot of names that you can point to and been like, I wish they didn't give that many starts to that guy.
0: Right. Exactly. Those
1: are really the only two. Maybe Brandon Williamson, but I think he's been all right. Like he's, yeah, like, he's been an average starter.
0: Yeah, and that's part of what makes me think like David Bell. If they make the playoffs, is such a favorite to win, you know, National League Manager of the Year. And even if they miss the playoffs, I think he's a great candidate. Because, like, you know, I think I mentioned uh when we were doing our first half awards, like I think he had to use the most pitchers with 10 plus innings out of anyone in the national league. Um, so that includes That's starters, right. relievers, whatnot. But like also The only one of the only things to just look forward to on that team that year was Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Like. Those were two pieces that looked to have a lot of promise last year that, you know, it didn't seem like they didn't have it didn't seem like they had much coming up this year to look forward to that team. And he lost those two guys like those were one of the two of the only guys that you really wanted to see on this Reds team perform. Um, and he lost them, but they're still continuing to to thrive forward and you know potentially still make a playoff spot, which is unbelievable,
1: yeah, by the way, l a d la cruz uh slugging under four hundred,
0: yeah, that's unfortunate, tough, yeah, he is, uh very fast though, and yeah. he does throw the ball very hard,
1: yeah, I mean, it would be fun to see him in the playoffs, no doubt well. And like I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to blame him if they miss the playoffs because he is still twenty one years old playing his first season. Yeah. But also, as, like he has had a pretty steep drop off drop off this year.
0: As much as like, and we probably haven't expressed it on the podcast as much, but sometimes we talk about like how much you know hype he gets for you know so not being that productive a player. The pressure shouldn't be on shouldn't be on no. him at this point in his career. Like he's no. twenty one um him being you know even i think we would call him like an average player considering base running uh hitting and uh, yeah in defense like overall been a pretty average player this year but you know people propel and he's you know an exciting piece
1: yeah he's fun like there's no doubt about it if you don't think he's fun like i don't know what you're watching
0: right yeah yeah i we just see like a lot of potential and we're excited for his age, you know, 24, 25 seasons, but yeah, this year it just hasn't, you know, it hasn't been uh, all that great. Um, But still better than a lot of 21 year olds, which is, which is nice. Um, All right. Yeah. Anything more on the reds? I think that's kind of all I had. All right. Well, those uh, that's, Talking about playoff, you know, potential bubble playoff teams, what it means for them to make the playoffs, what it means for them to miss the playoffs. Um, Some have higher stakes than others, which is what we what we talked about. Um, But yeah, now we will get into our players to highlight segment, um, starting with the good for our. uh, Friday, September 22nd, 2023 edition of How About That.
1: He's striking out less, walking more, and he's also making better contact. Turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere. He's been excellent all around this year. He is getting a... HOW ABOUT THAT! Yeah, so for my how about that, for the third time this year, I am going reliever diving. Nice. Uh, Making a splash today. I talked about Andrew Wance back in April. I talked about Josh Spores back in June. And on September 22nd, I am talking about Abner Uribe from the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Have you heard of him? No. Oh, well, I'm glad you haven't because you're about to learn a lot about this guy. If you've never seen him pitch before, he is absolutely filthy. Uh, He has a 129 ERA, and a 2.76 FIP in 28 innings pitch with the Brewers this season. Uh, and since his MLB debut on July 8th, yes, he debuted this year, he is one of only nine qualified relievers that hasn't given up a home run. Uh, he also has 10.97 strikeouts per nine at that time. So he's striking guys out and not giving up good contact. Also, since that day, he has a 23% sweet spot percent against. That is tied for the 12th lowest. Among the 383 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls against in that span. Again, a 23% sweet spot rate. That is very, very, very good. Um, Like I mentioned, 12 out of 383. Uh, His most common pitch is his sinker, which he throws about 60% of the time. It averages 99.4 miles per hour and also 21 inches of drop. Uh, So since his debut on July 8th, He has thrown 50 sinkers that have reached 100 miles per hour and had more than 20 inches of drop, both of those things. He's done that 50 times. He's one of just nine pitchers that have done so even once in this span, but none of the other eight have thrown uh, more than 26 of such pitches, and he's thrown 50. So he's near double the second most in terms of sinkers with 100 miles per hour and 20 inches of drop, uh, which is crazy. His sinker has a whiff rate of 24.3%, which is tied with Josh Hader for the second highest whiff rate uh, on sinkers. Uh, Josh Hader, Brewers fans might remember for being uh, another dominant closer that they have or reliever because I don't think Abner Uribe is a closer. But uh, yeah, second highest whiff rate among the 67 pitchers with at least 100 swings against their sinker. Uh, And he's tied with Josh Hader there. Opponents are hitting 150 and slugging one seven 167 excuse me against his sinker with a 7 degree average launch angle. Uh so his sinker has been a dominant uh primary pitch and even more dominant is his slider which is his secondary pitch. He throws it 33% of the time. He throws a slider th- 33% of the time, but he throws it 40% of the time with two strikes in the count. So uh he you know he throws it more with two strikes obviously. His slider has 26 plate appearances ending on it chris do you want to guess how many batted balls it has 26 plate appearances ending on his slider how many batted balls
0: um 13 six
1: wow he has six batted balls against the slider on 26 plate appearances 16 strikeouts on 26 plate appearances which is nuts Uh, His slider has a whiff rate of 59.6%, the second highest among the 188 pitchers with at least 50 swings against their slider. Uh, His slider also has an expected batting average of 0.28 and an expected slugging of 0.44. That expected batting average ranks the lowest, and his expected slugging ranks the third lowest among the... Two thousand four hundred and nineteen pitches with at least ten plate appearances ending on them. Again, his slider is number one and ex- his number one in expected batting average, number three in expected slugging out of two thousand four hundred and nineteen. So, Abner Uribe has established himself as the filthiest, one of the filthiest relievers in the league. Uh, and between him and Devin Williams, that is one of the best back ends of the bullpen in baseball. So, between the Brewers' rotation and their bullpen, if their offense gets hot in october they're a world series contender and it's because if you know if you're winning after if they're winning after seven they have Ab abner uribe for the eighth
0: yeah abner uribe gotta make sure i get the pronunciation right
1: abner. How like abner
0: yeah abner just just like him just, just like just
1: him. like abner doubleday
0: I remember yeah, <laughs> I remember Abner Double Abner Doubleday only had a 58% whiff rate on his slider. Yeah. So
1: um
0: <laughs> he only threw
1: he only threw 49 sinkers with 100 miles per hour and 20 inches a drop.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, uh Abner Uribe, that's pretty pretty stellar, pretty good analysis there. Um my how about that is actually a victory lap. Although he's probably not going to be a hit overall for the season, but uh, he's done really well over his last thirteen games. And I'm talking about a guy in a team who has been, you know, that this team has been irrelevant for basically the entire year. But he's doing well over his last thirteen games. I'm talking about Edward Olivares of the Kansas City Royals, I believe an outfielder for uh, for Kansas City. In his last thirteen games, he's hitting three seventy two with an eleven fifty eight OPS. And out of 165 qualifiers in this span, his average ranks sixth, on base percentage ranks tenth, slugging ranks fifth, and OPS ranks fourth. That 11.58 OPS is the fourth best in baseball in his last 13 games. Uh, out of 245 hitters with 150 plus pitches seen in the span, Edward Olivares' expected batting average ranks 13th, expected slugging ranks eighth, and expected wOBA ranks ninth. So his expected numbers, uh, you know. At least expected slugging and expected WOPA are top 10 out of over 240 hitters. So those expected ranks are right up there with the actual uh, number ranks. Uh, part of this has to do with him hitting the ball harder. Uh, Edward Olivares' average exit velocity has gone from 86.7 miles per hour before the span to 89.0 miles per hour in the span. Uh, and more notably, what has resulted in him getting more extra base hits has been the average exit velocity on fly balls, particu- particularly uh, his average exit velocity on fly balls has gone from 89.1 miles per hour to 98.6 miles per hour. That is a 9.5 mile per hour difference uh, on you know how hard he's hitting fly balls, which is pretty stellar. And per- because of this, his barrel rate has gone from 7% before the span to 15% in the span. Uh, along with that, what's what I found very interesting, and it's very unusual to find this, uh, you know, in a span of more than ten games, all nine of the fly balls that he, that Edward Olivares has hit have been ninety uh, or have been thirty two degrees or below. All nine of his fly balls he has hit have been thirty two degrees of launch angle or below, which is significant because all of them are in the sweet spot zone. That sweet spot zone we've talked about. It's eight to thirty-two degrees. Hitters hit five ninety and slug almost eleven hundred uh, when they when they keep it in that zone. So when Edward Alvarez is hitting what's considered to be a fly ball, he's not hitting the ones that are hanging up and 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 stopping fifty feet short of the fence. That's mostly competitive fly balls that um, that are gonna either leave the ballpark or come close to it. So also, you know, with him keeping them keeping those fly balls thirty-two degrees or below. Edward Olivares' sweet spot rate has gone from 33% before the span to 47% in the span. And out of 250 hitters with tw- with 25-plus batted balls in the span, Edward Olivares' sweet spot rate ranks 10th, uh, which is, you know, top... It's, a uh, yeah, top uh, 2.5% there. And also his... Or no, not two, top 2.5%. It's like top 4%. Uh, his walk rate has gone from 5% to 10%. So we've seen the ball a little bit better. His chase rate has gone from 31% to 27%. And his chase rate with two strikes has gone from 45% to 33%. So putting together some competitive at bats, along with hitting the ball harder, hitting the ball harder on fly balls, uh, getting more barrels and, you know, also not popping, you know, not hitting the ball crazy in the air and, and having non-competitive fly balls. So edward olivaris is getting a how about that on a uh, on a little bit of a victory lap um although yes, he sir. hasn't had the quite the breakout that i would have wanted him to not that i necessarily expected him to be the the young royal to break out but you know he was he had a good year last year all right so now we will get into a a not a preview of the weekend ahead we will get into our Go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our uh Friday, September 22nd, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics. He's been barreling up the ball way less.
1: He's not missing bats. He's not getting the ball on the ground and people are hitting it in the air more.
0: It's been so bad. He is getting a slightly alarming.
1: Yeah, so for my slightly alarming, I'm going with a guy that Uh, was an all-star this season and is, you know, going to be playing games in the playoffs. It's Orlando Arcia from the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Going back to September 6th, he is slashing just 172, 234, 259 for a 493 OPS and a 32 weighted runs created plus. So that weighted runs created plus ranks 11th lowest among the 172 qualifiers in this span. Uh, And he's been, you know, he's been, Swing and missing a lot more, he's hitting the ball not as hard. Uh before the span, he had a strikeout rate of eighteen point five percent. And in the span it is up to twenty-five percent. So that is a six and a half percent increase on his strikeouts, and more specifically, his chase rate has gone from twenty-five percent to twenty-nine percent. So that is a about four point uh increase in excuse me, in chase rate. Uh, but most notably before the span, his average exit velocity was miles per hour and in the span it is down to just 83.8 miles per hour so he's hitting the ball five miles per hour less Uh, his sweet spot rate in the span is also 20.9 percent that is the 12th lowest among the 220 hitters with at least 25 batted balls in the span and lastly during the span his average exit velocity on fly balls specifically is 82.1 miles per hour uh, that is the lowest among the 99 hitters with at least 10 fly balls in the span. So Orlando Arcia, he's swinging and missing more. Uh, he's hitting a lot softer. And for that reason, he is my slightly alarming. Yeah, Orlando Arcia. Slightly alarming. Um,
0: yeah, unfortunate there. But luckily... The Braves are pretty secure where they're at. So hopefully he fix it, fixes it up by playoff time, at least for their sake. Uh, my slightly alarming stays in the same division with another team who's pretty comfortably in a playoff spot. Uh, I'm staying. I'm talking about the Phillies and I'm talking about Michael Lorenzen, um, who we've probably referenced a little bit because of how rough the pitchers who were traded the starting pitchers who were traded at the trade deadline have been doing. And Michael Lorenzen is another example of that. And in Michael Lorenzen's last six appearances, he has a 9.23 ERA and 7.74 FIP in 26 and a third innings pitch. And I say six appearances because I think he's been taken out of the starting rotation. Uh, His last appearance was a relief appearance. He came out in the fifth inning and unfortunately for him, in a third of an inning, gave up uh, three or four runs. I forget exactly which number it was, but did not have a great relief appearance. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of 141 pitchers with 20-plus innings in the span, Lorenzen has the second-worst ERA and second-worst FIP. Uh, out of 125 pitchers with 400-plus pitches thrown in the span, his expected batting average against is 7th highest, expected slugging against is 7th highest, and expected Woba against is 8th highest. A part of this has to do with him striking less batters out. Uh, His strikeout rate has gone from 19% before the span to 11% in the span. And out of 141 pitchers, his strikeout rate is fourth lowest in the span. And also he is walking more batters. His walk rate has gone from 6.7% to 10.9%, bringing his strikeout minus walk rate from 13% before the span to zero percent in the span you struck out as many batters as he's walked which is not what you want as a pitcher and out of 141 pitchers his strikeout minus walk rate in this span is third lowest uh unfortunately his chase rate has gone from 31 percent before the span to 26 percent in the span likely uh you know decreasing that strikeout number and increasing that walk number along with that his home runs per nine has gone from 0.9 to 2.7 out of 141 pitchers in this span his home runs per nine is the fourth highest in baseball Uh, part of this part of just the general lack of success over the past few um, over the past uh, month or so has been uh, pulled batted balls his pulled batted ball rate has gone from 36% before the span to 45% in this span. And opposing batters are hitting 500 and slugging 1045 on pulled batted balls off Michael Lorenz and in this span. Uh, along with that, his pulled barrel rate has gone from 3% before the span to 7% in this span. Uh, a, you know, the average general barrel rate is around 7%, but his pulled barrel rate is at 7%. Uh, It is the 16th highest rate out of 167 pitchers with 50 plus batted balls in this span. Um, And opposing hitters are six for seven with five home runs on pulled barrels against Michael Lorenzen in this six game span. Uh, And looking at pitch specifics, uh, all four of his most used pitches have a 300 plus average against them and a 470 plus slugging against them. So nothing really to rely on pitch wise, uh, over the, over these last, last six appearances. And, you know, you, I mentioned Lorenzen because, you know, he was traded, he was, you know, the Phillies got him for a reason. They wanted him to be, uh, you know, a potential middle slash back at the rotation piece to supplement guys like Nola and Wheeler, uh, at the top of the rotation, unfortunately has been unable to do that since his no hitter. Um, I wonder if, how many pitches he threw in that no hitter has a little something to do with this, but you know, I, I wouldn't completely re- rely on that sentiment, but you know, we're wondering if he's even going to be a re- a, re- a reliable bullpen piece for the Phillies, never mind, you know, rotation piece. So I'm hoping, hoping for better, you know, especially considering uh Brian came on the show, talked about a great interaction he had with him. seems like an overall good guy. So hoping for the best, but uh, right now he is getting a slightly alarming. All right, so that should do it for the players to highlight. And now we will get into a preview of the week ahead. So much preview of the weekend ahead. Uh, so much to watch. I will be looking at the series to watch. Daniel will be looking at the day by day pitching matchups. And uh, as far as series to watch, you know, all, anyone competing for a playoff spot right now uh, should be kept an eye on. But specifically, Rays Blue Jays is an amazing series. Uh, Rays are fighting for for a division spot. They are one and a half games back of the Orioles. They just won't get off of their backs Uh, while the Blue Jays are, you know, we we talked about them a lot in this show. They're 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 hanging on to their playoff spot, hoping to get ahead in some way, but it's going to be a major challenge over at Tropicana Field. Along with that, we have Marlins Brewers uh, in Miami. Brewers uh, magic number is two. So they have almost clinched the NL central, but the Marlins are fighting for that playoff spot. They are currently tied with the Cubs for, yeah, I believe yes. Tied with the Cubs for the third wildcard spot. So all these remaining games are crucial to them. And the premier series to watch is, uh, something we've, we prefaced in our last show. It is Rangers Mariners at Globe life field. And, uh, and yeah, it's it's they're both 84 and 68, both competing for the AL West, both competing for the AL Wild Card. It's going to be fun. Uh can't wait to can't wait to watch it. What do you got for the day-by-day pitching matchups?
1: Yeah, some potential playoff uh, previews in there, especially with Marlins Brewers if, you know, if the Marlins make the playoffs, they will very likely be facing Milwaukee. So, uh yeah. today on Friday, Andrew Abbott goes for the Reds against the Pirates uh in cincinnati pirates looking to play spoiler for a division rival that could be a big you know moral moral victory series for them uh chris bassett and tyler glass that will face each other in blue jays and rays um corbin burns will face the uh marlins for the brewers in miami jt shashua will be opening for miami um Tyler McGill and Tywan Walker will face each other in Mets Phillies in Philadelphia. Charlie Morton will be facing the nationals for the Braves in Washington. Um, You will have Shane Bieber. Is he coming off the IL? Is this his first start off the IL? Uh, He'll be pitching for the guardians today against the Orioles in Cleveland. Um, I think Cleveland's going to be eliminated from the playoffs soon. If they have, if they're not already, um, You will have Chris Sale facing his former team for the White Sox at Fenway tonight. Um, Bryce Miller and Dane Dunning will face each other in Rangers and Mariners, obviously, in Texas. Pablo Lopez will be facing the Angels for the Twins in Minnesota. Sawyer Gibson-Long will be facing the A's for the Tigers. He struck out 11 in his last uh, start. And then Sean Mania will be facing the Dodgers for the Giants in L.A. And matchup of the night comes from royals at astros it is cole reagan's versus framber valdez yeah yeah fun one We, we
0: stand both those guys
1: yes we do um on saturday kyle wright will pitch for the braves against the nationals it's a 105 start carlos rodon will face the diamondbacks for the yankees Sonny gray will face the angels for the twins uh jordan wicks will face the rockies for the cubs Jose Quintana and Zach Wheeler will face each other in Mets Phillies. uh, That one kicking off at Citizens Bank Park at uh, 4.05. Shunjin Ryu and Zach Littell will face each other in Blue Jays and Rays. Uh, Dylan Cease will be facing the Red Sox for the White Sox at Fenway. John Means will be facing the Guardians for the Orioles in Cleveland. Logan Gilbert will be facing the Rangers for the Mariners. The Rangers have yet to announce their starter. Um... Clayton Kershaw will be facing the Giants for the Dodgers and matchup of the night comes from, or excuse me, matchup of the afternoon comes from Brewers Marlins. It's Brandon Woodruff versus, uh, Jesus Lizardo. Yeah,
0: that is just solid overall matchup there.
1: The, all right. So then on Sunday, finishing out the weekend, a busy, fun, exciting weekend in baseball, Christopher Sanchez will be facing the, uh, Mets for the Phillies, uh, to finish off that series Yusei Kikuchi and Taj Bradley will face each other in Blue Jays and Rays. Spencer Strider will face the Nationals for the Braves. Um, You will have um, Hunter Brown facing the Royals for the Astros. Joe Ryan facing the Angels for the Twins. um, Brian Wu facing the Mariners for the Rangers. The Rangers for the Mariners. Rangers have yet to announce their starter once again. And Rodriguez will be facing the um, A's for the Tigers. Uh, that is in Oakland. By the way, did you see that uh, the A's got Miguel Cabrera just like an eighty-dollar bottle of wine for his retirement?
0: I I saw. Well, I saw um, baseball images that precede unfortunate events. Tweeted out. There was a guy. There was a screenshot of a guy who predicted it perfectly. Yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, I guess it's almost better from an A's like players' perspective, or like some like some employees' perspective, where like if they went all out for for Miguel Cabrera and not one of their own, like and not their own players or their own employees, then maybe that would be a a worse look. But uh, but yeah, it does it does just look bad for PR there.
1: Fair enough, but I don't know if anyone remembers this, but uh, there was an article before the 2010 season that talked about how Miguel Cabrera like was, was becoming sober and that he had like had drinking problems previously.
0: Oh Uh, yeah. I did not know that.
1: I think a lot of people didn't. It was 13 years ago and I'm sure that, you know, maybe he does it casually now it's, you know, it's a long time to, you know, whatever, but yeah, that's not a fantastic look either. Yep. Yep. Like, imagine if, like, CC Sabathia did a retirement tour and the Red Sox got him, like, a bottle of wine.
0: Right, yeah. Like, that.
1: that's not a great look.
0: No, no, it's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's that. But uh, continuing on with Sunday, uh, Savant, uh, Michael Walker will be pitching for the Padres against the Cardinals. Lance Lynn will be pitching on the last Sunday Night Baseball of the year against the Giants. And matchup of the day, once again, comes from Brewers Marlins. It is Freddie Peralta versus edward cabrera uh it is a must win series for the marlins against the playoff team and they get the three best starters in that rotation which is brutal
0: yeah not the best not the best Um,
1: although sandy alcantara is making a rehab start today so that's big
0: yeah right right yeah that would be if they could get him for like game 161 or 162 that would be pretty cool um Yeah, that shall do it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Check out all the features, all the shorts, all the playlists, like guest interviews, most recently with Chris Cotillo of Mass Live, Red Sox beat reporter, talked about the Heim bloom era and everything, and even before that, as he's been a beat writer for six years. Also, check out the baseball history series, which is timeless. Um, You know, it'll it'll always be fairly relevant. Although I guess uh, Albert Pujols' career isn't uh, fully updated Yeah, right, because we did right. it we did it pre twenty twenty. So if you're if you're watching episode, the
1: Albert Pujols episode and you want to see his seven hundredth home run, I'm sorry, but it yeah, happened about two and a half years later.
0: In in Arr's version of history, he's he's around six hundred fifty. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he's around there. Um, but yeah, other than that, it is all completely timeless. So check out the baseball history series. Also check out our social medias. I am at Chris underscore gianta on Twitter. Daniel is at Daniel underscore current on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's all, that's all I, all I have to mention. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation. Is over. Is over.